It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. What is going on, everybody? Welcome on into the doghouse here on another beautiful Tuesday night in Cleveland, Ohio. And we are ready to preview a game. We're ready to move past the last Cleveland Browns game. We're ready to be done talking about it. And we're ready to move on to the next Cleveland Browns game this weekend, Sunday, back home finally in Cleveland to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. A really, really intriguing matchup especially the way this season has fallen for both teams. Uh, there's a lot of storylines here, uh, and we cannot wait to dive into this one. Uh, if you are joining us here live tonight, welcome on in. If you want to jump into the conversation, make sure make sure you join the comments on Twitch or YouTube. If you are tuning in live on the OBR's Twitter page, welcome. We're glad you stopped. We're glad you're hanging out with us. Just remember, if you comment anything on Twitter, we can't see it. So if you want to comment... You want to ask questions of my special guest tonight. You want to do anything to join the show, jump on YouTube, jump on Twitch, and uh, and watch us live and jump in the comments and be a part of the show. With you, as always, I'm your host, Michael Keefe, at Garage Beers Mike Online, and you guys get to hang out with me all night tonight on the OBR Streaming Network. We got Doghouse right now, and then you guys get like an hour break in between, and I am back with the Garage Beers podcast, and we got a lot to talk about there. Of course, we're going to talk Browns. But we're going to talk college football, Ohio State. The Cleveland Guardians got the number one pick in the draft tonight. We're going to talk about that and so much more. So make sure you tune in for Garage Beers at 9 p.m. Uh, go follow. Before we get to our special guests, make sure you are following the OBR everywhere. The oldest, largest independent Cleveland Brown site in all of Cleveland is the OBR. Make sure you go to theobr.com and subscribe for all the best Cleveland Browns coverage all the most in-depth coverage and make sure you hit subscribe and like, like our buddy Manimal did 23 months in a row on Twitch. Uh, shout out to you, Manimal. We appreciate you. All right. That's going to do it for the intros. Now I'm going to intro one more person. I got to tell you the network here has been phenomenal lately. We're on a hot streak with the believe network. If you're not tuned into the believe network, they do a lot of good work all around the country for NFL teams specifically. Uh, I've had like three or four believe network hosts in a row and we've got another one tonight, and I'm very excited about it because not only is this guy an expert in Jacksonville Jaguars football, not only does he host the Believe in Jaguars podcast, but apparently he's an expert in Canadian football. And I, we got to dive into that a little bit. We got to dive into some Canadian football. My special guest tonight, welcome in, Justin Dunk. Justin, welcome <laughs> into the doghouse. <laughs> Thanks for the great intro, my man. I don't want to scare people away talking CFL ball too much, but I mean, the Browns and the CFL have a unique connection in one Mr. Johnny Manziel. No, no, right? no, <laughs> no. What? We don't have to bring. That's not a good intro, Justin. That's not a good way to introduce yourself to Browns fans. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's we it's funny because one of the one of the very good friends of our other show, my other show, Garage Beers, Justin Rowan covers the Cavaliers. He lives in Winnipeg, and he's a big-time Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan. So I was like, oh, if we, if we could talk a little Canadian football, 
Are you are you a Canadian? Yes, I'm a Canadian. That's right. All right. Do you live in Canada? Yes, sir. All right, so now we got to get to know. So the first thing we always like to do with our special guests, we're going to dive into the Browns and the Jaguars. Again, there are a ton of good storylines for this matchup this week. But how does a how does a Canadian get hooked up with the Jacksonville Jaguars? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and it's another CFL connection. Nathan Rourke was an outstanding quarterback in the CFL last season for the BC Lions. Had an unfortunate Liz Frank injury that yep. took him out for part of the season, but toughed it out, came back, tried to get his Lions to the Grey Cup, but they couldn't beat those Winnipeg Blue Bombers that, you know, your boy, I guess our boy out in Winnipeg is such a big fan of. But he really drew a lot of NFL interest. We're talking about, you know, almost the whole league was interested in this guy, and he kind of pared it down to about 10 or 12 workouts that he went to, ended up signing with the Jaguars and had that play during the preseason that I think made everybody's jaw drop and really yeah. recognize this kid, right? That thing went viral, got him a lot of respect. And I think in a lot of ways, you know, right time, right place, but you also got to make plays like that to stand out. So Rourke was with the team, obviously through training camp and believe reached out to me asking if I would want to do a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. And man, I'll be honest with you. I said like, I don't have that institutional knowledge of someone that's been in and around Jacksonville for a long time, but they're like, you know, even if Rourke isn't there, are you still interested in covering the team? I was like, heck yes. Yeah. So got after it. And here we are talking Jags, man. It's been an intriguing season, but I really look at it maybe slightly different from you and some of the other podcasts out there, but from an unbiased perspective. So that's how I'll always categorize things when we're talking ball. I think that's that is phenomenal. So, uh, all right. Question two: Did you have an NFL team before you started covering the Jags? Well, you know, I've covered the CFL and football and university football and you know the NFL here and there for so long that that's kind of been beaten out of me. So, I'll give you a little background here, real quick. I played quarterback at the University of Guelph, which is just outside of Toronto, yeah, in not the far of across Ontario. the lake. No, nope, not that far not across far? the lake. But really, the closest team was the Buffalo Bills. So when I grew up, I was on a family farm, and we had those, like, rabbit ear things on the top of the TV, and you had to move it to try to get the channel. Well, the only games we got were the Buffalo Bills games. And plus, at the time, I don't remember the exact years, but Doug Flutie had went from the CFL to the NFL and was trying to get a shot with the Buffalo Bills, right? So as a kid and growing up, it was the Buffalo Bills, but I've kind of taken myself out of fandom. I will say I have some former teammates who are in the NFL as executives right now. One of them is with the Buffalo Bills, Curtis Rukavina. The other's Chris Rossetti, who's my backup quarterback at the University of Guelph. He's with the New York Giants, was with the Miami Dolphins for a long time. So some Canadians making inroads in the NFL a little bit. Man, I, I got a buddy. A uh, buddy I used to work with was from Guelph. I used to work with the Guelph Royals. No way! So, yeah, come on. I know a little bit about Guelph. <laughs> My man! All right. Uh, all right, we got questions in the comments. People uh, apparently fumble, and really it's only fumble at this point, but other people get involved. Really likes the CFL, entertaining football. It's wild. It's wild. Uh, he wants me to ask you in the comments, he wants to ask what a red, a red black is. What is a red black? Well, a red black is essentially, I think, just an easy name that won't get canceled probably ever in the history of sports teams. It red goes black. very easily. Red black or rouge noir because Ottawa is a bilingual city. So really a red black is whatever you want to make it to be. Their mascot is Big Joe. He's a lumberjack. Every time the red black score a touchdown, they fire up 
I think it's this big saw, actually. It's not a chainsaw. It's like a handheld saw. It. And cut off a log off the uh, big, uh, big tree stump. <laughs> All right. Very good, man. Well, it's that's a cool story, actually. And it's very cool that Believe reached out to you again. I got to give a shout out to Believe Network. Uh, we've been we've been graced with a few straight Believe Network hosts here uh, over the last couple of weeks, and and they've all been great. And uh, I can already tell this is going to be a good time. So let's talk about these two teams, uh, Justin. And let's start with your your Jacksonville Jaguars uh, because we've got a great clash, a great AFC clash coming up this week: the seven and five Cleveland Browns, the eight and four Jacksonville Jaguars. And let's uh, you know, Justin, we'd be remiss if we didn't start with recent. Uh, recent events, recent history, uh, things that happened last night in that game. Uh, the Jag, the Jags fall to the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, but that's not really the big storyline that comes out of that game. The big storyline that comes out of that game is Trevor Lawrence goes down with, man, what Ian Rappaport was reporting last night was feared to be a broken leg. Uh, and it's not a broken leg from what it sounds like from the Jags. So what are you hearing? What have you seen? Uh, from the Jags as far as an update on Trevor Lawrence and that injury and a timetable and and kind of what you're expecting there. According to Doug Peterson, he called it a high ankle sprain, but I had Dr. David J. Chow on my Believe in Jaguars podcast actually today. He's a former NFL doc, was in the league for over 17 years, and he felt like it was more of just an inversion sprain, kind of a basketball injury, if you will, to that ankle. And he felt like there might be a 50-50 chance that he actually plays this week. Peterson was not willing to put a timeline or a timetable on Lawrence. He didn't want to box him in like that. They'll kind of see how the week goes. But it did sound like C.J. Beathard is going to take the majority, if not all, of the QB1 reps this week to be ready if Lawrence doesn't go. So there's a lot of concern around Jacksonville, but I think at least at this point, Point, it doesn't seem as bad as you mentioned there with Ian Rappaport and maybe as bad as it looked on TV. So what's the, you know, from a guy that covers the team and a guy that, um, that, that wants the Jags to succeed because your, your podcast will do better if the Jags are winning games, right? Uh, what's the, what's, what's the ideal situation? I mean, do you want them to push Trevor Lawrence? Cause it's a weird spot of the year, right? I think if this injury happens early in the year, I think it's pretty easy to say, listen, sit him get that ankle 100% healthy, get him feeling good, and let him come back in week five, right? But mm-hmm. at this point of the year, especially in an in an AFC South, that is a much more contentious division than I think a lot of people thought it was going to be with Houston exploding onto the scene with C.J. Stroud. And somehow the Indianapolis Colts uh, and Gardner Minshew doing <laughs> Minshew mania and being a good football team uh, – those two teams are nipping right at the heels. I think they're both one game behind Jacksonville at this point. So is there, do you think there's pressure to have Trevor Lawrence play through the injury? There's got to be some pressure there, but Peterson said, and we'll find out, I think on Sunday that he wouldn't put Lawrence on the field if he was at a hundred percent. Now, you know, I don't think that is a factually correct statement because Peterson had Lawrence on the field earlier this season in new Orleans on a Thursday night (laughs) football game against the saints when he came off an injury that required him to brace up his left knee, and it's a brace that he's had on that left knee ever since, and he clearly wasn't at 100%, but he had the best rushing game of his career somehow in that game, I think probably because the Saints weren't accounting for that on defense. So it's a kind of a case where Peterson says one thing and does another here. I think if it's close, and especially if Lawrence can't do any more damage 
to his ankle if he plays through it, then Lawrence is going to want to play. You know, some people were making a big deal about the Jacksonville medical staff not carting him off the field. But how do we not know that Lawrence just waved the card off, right? We see that so often in the NFL, guys waving it off because they want to show that they're tough and they can get through it. So I think that Lawrence doesn't need to practice to be able to start on Sunday. We saw that in somewhat of a similar situation in that game that I mentioned against New Orleans earlier this year on Thursday night football. So I think if you're the Jaguars, considering not only the AFC South, but the fact that they at least believe in that building that they could compete for the number one seed in the AFC, I think those chances took a big blow losing to the Bengals on Monday night football, but that you probably have to play them if it's remotely close and it's not going to do much more damage to the ankle. But I think the other thing that has to play in there, you know, it's good to hear Doug Peterson say you don't want to play him if he's not 100%, but uh, there's not a lot of players left at this point in the season that are 100%. So 100% is kind of a relative term, isn't it? Uh, mm -hmm. But if it is, if if like what you're saying is correct, and that's a great report that you had from, from your show in the Believe in Jags podcast, if that's correct, and it's more of a basketball sprain, it's not the traditional high ankle sprain, um, that's bad news for us in Cleveland. That's good news for for the Jacksonville fans because that should be something he can come back and play pretty quickly from. You'd think so. We're going to find out on Sunday. Yeah, we will find out. It'll be interesting to watch. Another injury that happened in that game last night, and again, the big one that takes all the headlines is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, as we have, as we know really well here in Cleveland, when your quarterback goes down, it gives you big <laughs> headlines. Uh, but you guys... Uh, it's been a year, Justin. It's Can I just jump in real quick? Because you know what I thought was interesting was Deshaun Watson up in the booth, chilling, right, in the suite. Meanwhile, with the Bengals, you had Joe Burrow on the sideline in a sling talking to his boy Jake Browning. How did the Browns fans feel about that? It's There's so much drama. It Justin, Deshaun's been on the sideline for the whole season, basically. And he was down on the sideline before the game and after the game and all that. And they, you know, they show him up in the booth. Who knows what the reasoning behind that is? Who knows the situation? But man, people love to jump in on this, don't they? Like people love yeah. to jump in on this. <laughs> Nick Chubb was there. And then, uh, you know what, man, like it, that it's so it's too much drama that I can account for in Cleveland. We are. It's been a long, long process with the Deshaun Watson thing. It's been a, a long process trying to trying to convince ourselves that it can work. And it's been a long process having everybody jump on everything that happens. That's That's been a process just from a fan perspective. Uh, every time, if Deshaun's in the booth, people jump on it. If Deshaun's on the field, he's doing something wrong. If he's <laughs> holding his crutches the wrong way, he's it's doing something wrong. Like it's just there. Everybody's looking for a story. I don't. Me personally, Justin, there's no story there. Like, if you've if you've followed followed along with the Browns since his injury, he's been on the sideline. He was in the ear of PJ Walker. He was in the ear of DTR. Like he's been a part of the whole process. I don't know why he wasn't on the sideline in Jacksonville. I don't think anybody that's actually with the organization cares. Like, I don't think they care. I like the take. I would hope. Good perspective. Oh, it's so it's so much it's it's so much uh having said that um you guys suffered another uh significantly more major injury uh in that game last night as one of your big time wide receivers and a guy that i really love uh you brought up johnny menzel i always show people this over my head uh but oh i i am an aggie 
I see and, it. I see uh, it. Johnny Manziel is not one of my favorite Aggies, but Christian Kirk was one of my favorite Aggies. Uh, and Christian Kirk takes an injury uh, last night, and it looks like that is going to sideline him for, I think they said the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so what kind of what kind of damage does that do to the offense for Jacksonville, and, and, and how big of a piece is that for them to be missing? You know, I don't think he's out for the season just yet. Okay. And I yeah. Thank you for correcting me. I made that up. Dave Chow this today. Yeah. No, that's okay because I think some people are kind of jumping to that conclusion, which seems I thought I read true. it, but yeah. Yeah. So the perspective that the doctor gave me, David Chow, was that, you know, there's a couple of ways to approach this. You can have surgery, which would probably end his season. There were some yeah. people saying, well, maybe if he has a surgery now, he could be back. The Jaguars got to the Super Bowl, but. It seems like wishful thinkings on a couple fronts there. But if the injury is something that Kirk can tolerate playing through, then there's a chance here that he just waits a couple weeks and sees how it is. So Peterson already ruled him out for the game on Sunday in Cleveland. So you won't have to worry about him, Browns fans, because he's the Jaguars leading receiver. This guy might be the most reliable Jacksonville receiver. There's been so much hype about Calvin Ridley this year, yeah. and rightfully so, with his background and especially the way that he's performed in the past with the Atlanta Falcons. But Ridley has really been a guy that has proven his worth on the massive contract that the Jaguars gave him. So I think they'll sort of play the long game here to see how this injury, this core muscle injury, looks in a week or two and then decide peterson said there has to be some imaging that the team looks at and seems like they're going to get some sort of second and third opinions on this and whether or not they have to do surgery or not at this point but he's certainly going to be out for this week and he's a guy that has shown and you know this from watching him with the aggies and even when he was with the arizona cardinals he's got that mm -hmm. vertical stretch element he's such a great route runner underneath and the more that you watch this jaguars team this year in this offense you see that Lawrence really trusts this guy. And I don't think that trust is there right now with Ridley, which is why Kirk, at least in this point in time, is leading the team in receiving yards. Yeah, we've I've talked about it a lot with people this year, uh, Justin, that I, I think the Browns maybe have the most undervalued wide receiver uh, in the NFL on their team in, in Amari Cooper. I think just he always gets left out of the conversation and he's always one of the best. But I think, mm -hmm. I think Christian Kirk is one of the most undervalued wide receivers in the NFL, I, you know, I don't, I, I wouldn't sit here and say he's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, uh, but man, he just comes to play week in and week out. And you're right. I, I saw it all the way through his time at A&M and he got on some bad Arizona teams out there uh, and, and tried to find his way through that. And, and I think the Jacksonville move is a blessing for him. And, and I think uh, uh, he's a kid that's only going to keep putting up numbers. And so I hope that, uh, you know, we don't want to see anybody hurt. And trust me, like I said, it's been a year, Justin. It's been a year for that. <laughs> uh, so I hope he gets back out there quick because, uh, yeah, he's he's as a leading receiver. Uh, I think you're right. Now, you know, it's always funny because we always try to watch and pay attention to what's going on around the league and all that. But you get so involved in your own team that that's all you hear about is Calvin Ridley. It's all you hear about. It's all you see. Uh, it's all Sports Center shows shows highlights of is Calvin Ridley doing things. And it's exciting that Calvin Ridley's back in the league and and making plays down there in Jacksonville. But uh, to lose your number one wide receiver, uh, that's a tough blow for any team. 
It hurts, and it's going to have to be something that the Jaguars are going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future. Peterson did say that Parker Washington is going to step up into that role and really get the first chance to run with it, and deservedly so. He had six catches, yeah. 61 yards, and a touchdown in that Monday night football game that was his first game ever in the NFL. Like, this dude's a rookie. He didn't really look like a rookie out there. So I think the Jags are hoping for big things from Parker Washington stepping into that role. But, I mean, in all honesty, he's not going to be Christian Kirk right out the gate. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We're in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1, back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, it's uh, that's a big blow. So, again, just to kind of talk about that Monday night game, um, what's the feeling? What's your feeling about that game? What's the general feeling when you hear from people talking about the Jaguars? Because Jacksonville's a weird team. And, again, I want to get to some of these stats a little bit later. But uh, impeccable on the road. Jacksonville undefeated on the road. Uh, uh, the best road team in the NFL, which is not something we want to hear because this game's in Cleveland this week. Uh, but <laughs> – uh, they haven't been so good at home. The, the expectation was you've got Browning coming in with the Bengals, and sure, they still have some weapons, but Jacksonville's defense has been pretty good. They get good pressure. You've got one of the best pass rushers in football and Josh Allen down there on the line. Uh, uh, all in all, that that was a game that just felt like it should have been Jacksonville's all the way. And obviously the injuries certainly factor into that loss but just what's the overall feeling in taking a loss in that overtime game against the Bengals I don't think Duval County is happy about taking that loss even with the injuries and the other one that I think should be mentioned is Walker Little who started Ooh. at left guard and left tackle for this team he was at left tackle on Monday Night Football goes out and Blake Hance has to come into that game and deal with the likes of you know Trey Hendrickson so I don't think that was ideal probably not a guy you want playing left tackle but he had to do it in a pinch so I still think even injuries notwithstanding, that Jags fans felt like that was a game that their team should win. When you consider Jake Browning's making his second career start and he's on Monday night football. But, you know, full credit to the Bengals, right? Browning came out. He was very accurate. Yeah. They seemed to have a game plan where they were going to get Jamar Chase the ball at least underneath. There were a couple vertical shots in there as well and let him do his thing. And they seemed to commit to running the ball a little bit more. And I look at that in the perspective of Canadian running back Chase Brown getting nine carries. He only had two <laughs> carries coming into that game. It's 61 yards and a 31-yarder, the most productive game of his career so far. So I think from Jacksonville's perspective, 
it was a game that you probably could be pretty happy with offensively because you scored over 30 points. I think the defense needed to play much better. They came out with you know, a lot of energy early on. Darius Williams was locking up Jamar Chase at least to start that game in the first drive. They had the big fourth down stop and the Jags go the other way and score. And you're thinking, oh, this might be a blowout. But I don't think they played well enough on defense. I don't think they got after Browning consistently, but he was getting rid of the football very quickly. I think something that went under the radar in that game was Tyson Campbell coming back into the lineup. He's been battling a hamstring injury, but it seemed like, you know, he wasn't quite at his best, right? He's been out for a number of weeks. Monteric Brown filled in, actually had done a really nice job, but I think they need to play better in the secondary there. There was a lot of missed tackles and under Mike Caldwell in this defense, that hasn't been the case at least up until this point this year, they've been a pretty good tackling football team. But that really stood out to me is the defense just not wrapping up and being as solid as they have been in previous weeks, getting the ball carrier to the ground. I was going to say, and again, just being two AFC teams, being two teams in the Easter, uh, in the Eastern time zone, uh, a lot of times the Jags and the Browns are playing at the same time. So uh, when when they do play at different times, it is interesting to watch. Obviously, if you if, if you haven't watched the Jags a lot this year, because maybe you've been watching the Browns and their one o'clock games and all that stuff. If you haven't watched the Jags a lot this year and you watch them in that Monday night football game, uh, defensively, uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't, you know, it, it felt soft. It felt like you said, a lot of missed tackles, a lot of missed opportunities. It didn't feel like there was much of an attack there. Brian or Browning's just back there, just picking them apart. Is that has, was that showing yesterday in any way indicative of the Jaguars defense that you've seen all season? No, that's not the usual Jags defense. You know, I think, and I'll start again by crediting the Bengals because Zach Taylor had a lot of screens, you know, especially to his receivers and Jamar Chase, moved the pocket on bootlegs with Browning as well. So he changed that attack point for the defense. But that was not the defense that we're used to seeing from Jacksonville this season. If anything, the defense has been the strongest unit for this team and most consistent unit for this team Throughout the regular season, they've been getting after the passer. Some people have talked about Trayvon Walker not having a lot of sacks. He's up to five on the season, but him and Josh Allen have over 30 quarterback pressure. So these guys can affect the quarterback from bookend standpoint. Then you have guys in the middle of that linebacking core, Foye Oluokun, who is up there among the league leaders and tackles. Dude's all over the field. I think he's really underrated. Devin Lloyd has played hurt. He's had a essentially a club on his hand with this cast that he's been playing with. And they have a younger secondary that, you know, I think kind of in spurts is still learning here and there. And one of the other injuries that they suffered early on in that game was Trey Herndon, their nickel corner going out with concussion. So I think that was something where you had some younger guys in the lineup on the field. You had Tyson Campbell coming back in his first game in a little bit of, of a time. And that's where this team was susceptible, but you know, it did flash it's ugly head in terms of the defense not playing well earlier this season against Houston at home, another game at home where there was a letdown. There were some big plays there that CJ Stroud hit them on tank. Dell had a massive day in that win for the Texans. So it's not like we haven't seen it at all, but from a consistency perspective, this defense has played really well. Josh Allen has affected the passer game in and game out, but I think they need to be more consistent on the back end, and I would challenge Mike Caldwell to perhaps mix up some looks here. This team has played a lot of zone coverage. You know, I think they are, are and can be pretty good in man. They don't send a lot of pressure. 
And I think maybe they're relying too much on Allen and Walker. And they probably could have confused Jake Browning a little bit more. And depending who starts this week for Cleveland, right? If you're going to get a younger quarterback in there and it's not Joe Flacco, but I would even argue if it is Flacco, you got to mix up some of these looks. Yeah. And, and, and again, that just a little bit about what happened last night, but that kind of takes us into uh, talking about this game. And, and again, I think there's just a lot of really interesting storylines. One that you don't really want to talk about, but, but two teams just battling what could be major injuries in this game. Uh, we, we may not see Trevor Lawrence. You might see this game might be the eight, uh, the eight win Jacksonville Jaguars, the seven win Cleveland Browns, CJ Bethard and Joe <laughs> Flacco. Just like everybody predicted at the start of the year, the eight-win Jags, the seven-win Browns, Bethard versus Flacco. Uh, I mean, the the injuries, it's stuff that we've dealt with. And, and there's a big argument going on in Cleveland about are the Browns performing well enough under the circumstances? Are they not? Is Kevin Stefanski the right guy? Which I think is the craziest question on the planet. Uh, but, you know, we're without – our two starting, our, our, our starting left and right tackle, our starting running back, now our starting quarterback. We may even be without our backup quarterback. Uh, uh, we're we're talking about. We don't know if Amari Cooper is going to be playing. He's in he's in concussion protocol, so we'll see if he's back this week or not. Uh, without Denzel Ward, it just has been one thing after the next after the next for the Cleveland Browns. And I'll be honest, as you look at the schedule and you see the Jaguars coming in and you see. Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley and Trevor Lawrence and a healthy Jacksonville Jaguars. It makes you feel a little bit some kind of way, but uh, it looks like we we may end up getting the two two of the most banged up teams that you're going to see out there uh, in Cleveland this week. It's it's brutal out there right now. It seems that way, man. Who do you think starts at quarterback for the Browns? Because I watched Kevin Stefanski's media availability today, and he wasn't tipping any hands, but I wonder if you got the goods. Oh, I do not have the goods. I have zero goods, and everybody <laughs> that watches this show knows that. No, if 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 I had to guess, uh, and I think because of where they're at uh, in the season, again, and, and Ian is our producer, but he'll put this up, and I'll put it on the screen for him. Uh, his concussion status might force the issue. Uh, DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, is still not cleared out of the concussion protocol. So that may answer the question right there. I tend to think that they I'm going to guess that they saw enough out of Joe Flacco last week knowing that you can still make a playoff push with this unit and knowing that maybe a couple of these guys get healthy enough for the playoffs that you could actually make a little bit of a push in the playoffs and knowing what Joe Flacco has done over the course of his career uh, mm -hmm. I would imagine uh the 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 scales probably tilt a little bit in favor of Joe Flacco if if I was venturing a guess now they may there is something to be said about you've got this fifth-round quarterback that has actually shown some promise. And actually, to be honest with you, I really feel like he doesn't get hurt in that Denver game and the Browns win that game. Uh, P.J. Walker came in and fumbled the ball like 17 times, and that was kind of the end of that game. Uh, so I, both guys have shown – Joe Flacco showed a lot last week. I'll tell you that. Uh, he had his signature Joe Flacco just launch the ball at the air and let it get intercepted moment. Uh, which was brutal in that game. But for the most part, he was pretty good, and that offense was moving all right in that game. So I think you'll see Flacco if if it all comes down to it. That's my guess. 
That's my guess. That's intriguing. I think the fear for Jaguars fans is if Trevor Lawrence plays, who the heck is going to block Miles Garrett, especially if Walker Little is out of the lineup. But even if Little is in the lineup, because on the other side, on the right side at right tackle, Anton Harrison has steadily gotten better. But you go back early in the season when the Jags played the Kansas City Chiefs and Chris Jones absolutely wrecked the kid. Now he came out and said that he has a high upside and really complimented him. But Browns fans must just be thinking that Miles Garrett can ruin this whole game against the Jags, right? Well, and it's again, it's a funny thing. It's it's always fun to talk to somebody from an outside perspective for the Cleveland Browns because here in Cleveland, it's Miles Garrett and company, man. And that's how it's been this season. This defensive line is what we've been screaming for for years here in Cleveland. They, I, I don't know many defensive lines that I would put in the same category with what the Browns are trotting out there every week. On the end, you've got Garrett and Zadarius Smith, and and then you get lost in the fact that you have Obo Okoronkwo out there who just makes play after play after play after play. And then on the inside, a healthy Maurice Hurst has been a wonder. Uh, has been spectacular. Uh, obviously, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. Obviously, Shelby Harris has been great. I mean, this defensive line gets after you in so many different ways that Miles Garrett has never had, I don't think, a better time in that he doesn't have to just be the one guy that lines up and goes. And they line him up all over the that line. And, and you saw it, I think, the famous moment against your fellow AFC South team, the Tennessee Titans, where they actually had to call a timeout because Miles Garrett was moving on the line and they couldn't get set. Uh, so this defensive line has been great. And that's, you know, that's been the, it's been the key for the Browns. And to be honest with you, these last couple weeks, it's been probably their worst couple of games. Uh, Miles Garrett battling a, an arm injury. So he's, he's playing hurt right now. Uh, and they did not generate hardly any pressure against Matthew Stafford last week. And that's how you beat Matthew Stafford is you pressure him. Uh, and they didn't do that last week. So um, I think a lot of Browns fans right now are holding their breath, hoping that this defense, one, hoping that Miles Garrett's healthy, and two, hoping that this defensive line can get back after it. Because whether it's Lawrence or Bethard, if this defensive line gets after it the way they can, uh, it's going to be difficult, especially if it's Lawrence and he's hobbled. Yeah, that could be real difficult. And I think that is an absolute handful for this Jaguars offensive line to at least try and handle because, you know, the group had settled out a little bit when Cam Robinson was healthy at left tackle. They had Walker Little at left guard, Luke Fortner at center, Brandon Sheriff at right guard, and Anton Harrison at right tackle. But with Cam Robinson now on IR, Walker Little's status, I would say, in doubt for this week. Peterson said they're going to have to see about his stability later in the week or whether or not he could go. We're talking about, you know, Blake Hance maybe having to start. And Ezra Cleveland is in there now at left guard. That was the way that they were going with Cam Robinson on IR and kicking Walker Little back out to left tackle where he started the first four games of the season while Robinson, Robinson excuse me, was serving a performance-enhancing drug suspension. But, I mean, it just does not seem like a matchup that favors Jacksonville at all when you're looking at that monstrous Cleveland defensive line. Yeah, and I think that brings up a good question. I think from a Jacksonville perspective, uh, I don't care whether it's offensively or defensively, Justin. What are the areas where you think, okay, that's those are the areas that Jacksonville can take advantage of what we perceive as a, and a, a, like 
uh, a strength or a weakness in the Cleveland Browns? You know, I think if Calvin Ridley is on, and you could probably say that against most teams, but that's probably an area where they think, okay, if we're going to have C.J. Beathard in there potentially or a Trevor Lawrence that isn't 100%, we need to get the ball out quickly. And when Ridley is featured, especially early in games and often, I go back to week one where he started really well. at six catches for 90 yards and a touchdown in the opening half of the season. And everybody thought he was going to go gangbusters. So it shows when you get him involved, especially early, and I think Ridley really does have the ability, I don't want to say to take over a game, but to make some big splash plays. And I think if you're looking at that Cleveland defense, I mean, we talk so much about the defensive line. You mentioned Denzel Ward is hurt, obviously an outstanding cover man himself, that you're thinking, okay, you know, especially if Jim Kirk is out, which he will be, then I think you have to look at Ridley being able to make some plays. And the other guy that I would have said, honestly, is Zay Jones, but he just doesn't quite look the same. He's been dealing with this nagging knee issue that he suffered early in the season. I think he's a guy that can be really explosive, but on Monday Night Football, there was one ball down the field there that he just couldn't catch up with. And earlier in the season before this injury, I think he would have been able to do it. So I think Ridley is the guy. And obviously, on the other side, that's going to be a focal point for Cleveland. It's like, don't let Calvin Ridley beat us, especially with Christian Kirk out of the lineup but I think that's a guy that kind of similar to what the Bengals did with Jamar Chase against Jacksonville you just need to force feed him the football a little bit get it to him in different ways especially in the quick rhythm passing game just get him some touches early get him a feel for the game and then I think he could have a big impact uh, I think you know obviously we don't know about Trevor Lawrence I think a lot of people know about Travis Etienne uh, and and it's nice to see him kind of healthy and making a name for himself uh, having a really nice year. Again, the yards per carry aren't great, but it, that's fine. He's such an impact player in both the pass and the run game. But, uh, you know, when you look at the screen that's up right now, Evan Ingram, man, 73 catches for Evan Ingram on the season. Uh, that's I, I know the yardage isn't huge, but that screams security blanket. Uh, and mm -hmm. sometimes you need a guy like that, especially when you have guys like Kirk and ETN and Ridley and uh, guys that can make plays. Just talk about uh, the role that Evan Ingram plays and and kind of how he's perceived there in Jacksonville. When he's got his opportunity, he's been a beast. And you just need to watch that touchdown against the Bengals where he's leaping in the end zone, like looking yeah. like an Olympic long jumper, right? Like <laughs> this guy has elite explosive ability, but they haven't been able to get the ball to him as much as I think Peterson and offense coordinator Press Taylor and even Trevor Lawrence would have liked vertically down the field. I think that's just because teams have respect for this guy. He is ultra physical as a blocker. There were a couple key blocks in that game against Cincinnati to help spring some plays. But with Christian Kirk being out, you know, I think we're going to see more targets go the way of Ingram, right? It just seems natural. But yeah. I think they got to try to get this guy the ball down the field and especially down the seam. I'm not saying he is Travis Kelsey, but you see what the Chiefs are able to do in getting him the football, especially down the seam. He can make so many of those big plays. That I think that's what you need to do with Engram now, especially with Kirk out, you know, at least for the foreseeable future and Zay Jones not being quite at 100% with this lower body injury that he's dealing with. So Engram has all the ability in the world. Clay Harbor my co-host on the Believe in Jaguars podcast, a former NFL tight end, believes that Engram is an absolute freak out there. He's a huge human being 
and he can run like a receiver, as you saw in that touchdown against the Bengals. So that's what he brings to this Jags offense, and I would imagine his target share is going to go up here as the end of the season rolls along. Just imagine, I can't help but just continue to laugh as we talk through what on earth is going on with both the Jags and the Browns. And I imagine there's two people talking somewhere on some podcast, on some network right now, talking about two teams that have an idea of what to expect. There's somebody talking about San Francisco and somebody talking <laughs> about, and they're having a great time because they know what to expect. And I, I can't get, I can't help but get the same feeling from you that I have right now. There's two teams that are going to be playing on Sunday and you and I watch every second of every one of their games and we focus on them and we cover them. And I don't have any idea what to expect in this game, Justin. I have no idea. I don't, we don't know who's playing. We don't know who the quarterbacks are. We don't know who's going to be on the offensive line. We know wide receivers aren't going to be out there. We know there's some defenders that aren't going to be out there. This is the wildest season to go through. And you guys are experiencing just like us. Like what? And somehow we're talking about a seven win and an eight win football team. It is pretty wild. I mean, I think Cleveland has experienced the wildness to much greater degree for Jacksonville. It's really just hitting because in large part, the team has been, I would say, overall fairly healthy. Yes, there's been some bumps <laughs> and some bruises and some nicks. I mentioned Devin Lloyd with the broken hand and the cast and playing with the club and all that stuff. But you know, by and large part, they haven't had any kind of big time injury. So I categorize Christian Kirk as one of those, Cam Robinson. Obviously, but I think you're right. There is a lot of uncertainty with what we're going to see. I do think, you know, there's a chance Lawrence will play, but you mentioned off the top from the jump here, you know, you look at the standings and the situation and man, if I'm Doug Peterson, Trent Balky, the front officer, the coaching staff, and I'm thinking, okay, if Lawrence is not as mobile as he usually is, do I want him going into a hostile environment that is the dog pound there in Cleveland? In what's supposed to be bad weather, by the way. Exactly. In bad weather, so the footing won't be great. And risking my quarterback getting hit worse. Yes, there's going to be difficult situations any week presented to you. But I think this is just not an ideal one. So I would imagine that Miles Garrett, the Browns D, the situation there with the weather, being on the road are going to factor into this decision whether or not Lawrence is going to want to play. But he's going to do everything he can to try to be on that field. And I think he's going to want to play. It's just whether or not Peterson, Balky, the rest of the Jaguars staff feel that that's in the best interest of their team, not just for one week, but for the rest of the season. Because, you know, you mentioned the AFC South a couple times and where Cleveland is at with seven wins on the season. It's remarkable that they even have seven. But if you're Jacksonville and you look at this overall, you're like, okay, we're not necessarily trying to lose this game. But if there's a game that we could be without Lawrence that would be smart, it would probably be this Cleveland game considering what's coming up. The Ravens are next. That's going to be a massive game with playoff implications. And, oh, by the way, being on a little bit of a shorter week because Jacksonville played on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, speaking of this game, I think one of the really interesting storylines, Jacksonville looking for their sixth win on the road. It's outrageous. I mean, <laughs> the Jacksonville Jaguars have not lost a game on the road this season. They are a road fort. They're not great at home. Not not a great football team at home, although maybe the schedule hasn't been so favorable at home. Uh, but an absolute force on the road. And the Cleveland Browns have been a force at home. Uh, they're looking for their sixth win at home on the season uh, so something's got to give 
in this game. What has made Jacksonville so good on the road? You know, I think they have been especially locked in on the road. And not to say that, you know, being at home shouldn't give you an advantage. But what I noticed in that Monday night football game was Trevor Lawrence being visibly frustrated a handful of times. And we don't really see that from Lawrence, you know, especially this year. Peterson has really coached him on being stable and keeping his body language kind of to a minimum. But when they've gone on the road, this team has just been, and it's become cliche now, but locked in. They went into New Orleans on Thursday night football, you know, a tough defense in their own right there. Lawrence had questions around him and that left knee and wearing a brace and was he going to go or not go? And you wouldn't have thought that there was any outside noise getting into the building all week there in Duval County because these Jags were just laser focused. So what I think that they've done really well on the road is they've had some solid starts. I hate saying fast because I think that's such a cliche. Everybody wants to get off to a fast start, but I think they've started games well on the road. By and large part, they've won the turnover battle. You had the stat up on the screen before that they're up there among the league leaders in terms of producing turnovers. A bunch of those obviously have happened on the road. And for whatever reason, they've been able to run the football more consistently away from home. And I think part of that has been Travis Etienne Jr. being the focus, but also the game script, them being up in those games, controlling the tempo, the pace, and the crowd noise. So I think as it is in many games, but especially this one, regardless of who's playing quarterback, those first 15 minutes are going to be critical for Jacksonville. And we're going to have an idea of what team is going to show it up. Is it the road warriors that we're used to seeing from the Jaguars? Or do the, those home dogs in Cleveland kind of take over the dog pound? Uh, before we get into a keys to this game and, and a prediction, uh, Justin, as we get wrapped up here, I do want to know one one more thing from you as somebody that covers the team and watches them. And again, your your coverage of them is fairly recent, but obviously uh, you, you're a guy that dives in and works hard and, and knows a lot about this franchise. This is a team that's made a little bit of noise postseason-wise uh, in the recent past. And yeah, they've run into Kansas City and, and not a lot of teams beat Kansas City in the postseason. Uh, but do you think... Jacksonville, if healthy, has taken the strides to to make them a legitimate contender. We've talked about them maybe fighting for a one seed in the AFC. And and playoff seeding is one thing. But do you think they've taken the strides, if they're healthy going into the playoffs, can they make the run that that you know that you expect them? Once you see them get into that second second round of the playoffs and making a push. You want to see them move further. You want to see progression. Are they are they capable of that progression? I think they're really close. And for me, you look at a couple of key games that they've already played. That was against Kansas City earlier in the season. And I know the Chiefs are kind of going through it a little bit right now with Patrick Mahomes. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I think in the AFC, you got to go through Kansas City in some form or fashion and get to the That's Super right. Bowl. So I look at that Chiefs game, and there was a bunch of plays they left on the field. And then you look at that Big-time matchup. Everybody was hyping it up with San Francisco coming into the bank, into your home stadium, and they didn't show up. So that makes me think that this team is not quite ready to compete with these teams that we would talk about that are of the Super Bowl caliber. I think they're very close, and they can certainly prove me wrong the rest of the season, but you need to prove that you can show up and show out against these teams. This will be an opportunity to do it against Cleveland, that has a terrorizing defensive line that we talked about, and also the next week against Baltimore and the Ravens and how physical that team can be in the way that they're going 
with Lamar Jackson, that defense, the run game, the rest there. So I think that they are close. They're on the cusp of it. They are a relatively young team, I think, still learning under Doug Peterson. Obviously, he has that Super Bowl pedigree from his coaching days with the Philadelphia Eagles. So I think they're close, but they're not quite there yet until they prove it to me. All right. Uh, so one last thing I told you as we were talking, and again, uh, Justin Dunk, Believe in Jaguars podcast, awesome work. Also just a pure expert on Canadian football, which is great. Uh, uh, I told you if you had anything you wanted to talk about, if you had any questions about the Browns or anything like that, I certainly don't want to steal your thunder on that. So I don't know. Did you bring any other topics you wanted to bring up in this game? You know, I think the main thing for me, looking from the outside, you know, we talked about the quarterback position and Nick Chubb being out and injuries and Miles Garrett and the defensive line. Is that overall question of Kevin Stefanski? Because when I was listening to that media availability today, you know, he was getting some pretty difficult questions. How do the Browns fans feel about where Stefanski is at? Injuries and all that considered, because, I mean, injuries are going to happen to any team in the NFL, right? The San Francisco 49ers have gone through it and still been able to show that they're of the elite in this league right now. So how do you personally feel, I guess, perhaps speaking for Dog Pound Nation or Browns Nation or whatever you guys call it, about what Stefanski <laughs> has Browns done? Fans. Just Browns fans. <laughs> I, I, oh, some of the nation things drive me crazy. Uh, <laughs> now, listen, I will say this. I don't know, and it was an interesting way to start the season because obviously Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, and, and that was impactful, but it was impactful, I think, in a little bit of a different way. I'm not sure that you could count on on more than a couple fingers the guys that would impact the team with a season-ending devastating injury the way Nick Chubb impacted the Cleveland Browns with a season-ending devastating injury. I don't know that there's many of those players around the league, and I and and I know that might sound like an exaggeration. I don't think it is. I, I think I think the emotional toll that that injury took for probably a couple weeks on the Cleveland Browns. Uh, was was I, I can't remember watching a game and feeling that way to be honest with you Justin I said we sat and you saw it and when I heard the announcer come on to that game against Pittsburgh and say we're not even going to show it I was like oh this is the end of the season this is the end of his season um so I you know I think I don't think all injuries are weighted the same and I think that was just so devastating uh that to me my feeling on it what Kevin Stefanski has done this year is incredibly impressive seven and five and yeah they were seven and three and you lost a game you should have won in Denver but you lost your backup quarterback in that game and a lot of teams don't win games when you're down to your third string quarterback uh especially when he's got a little bit of the fumble yips going and that's what PJ Walker had in that game um and then you go out to Sam or to LA and I, to be honest with you I I said I think the L.A. game was the toughest one left on their schedule because when they get right, and right now L.A. is right. They, they are playing like themselves. That's a tough team to beat. Um, I am a Kevin Stefanski supporter. Um, I don't think he's a perfect coach. I don't think those exist unless you're going to find Andy Reid, and there's only one Andy Reid, right? Uh, so I don't think there are perfect coaches. I don't like everything that Kevin Stefanski does. I think some people take it to the extreme. Uh, and you still have that old mentality, Justin, of, uh, you can't, you can't make excuses for injuries. You can't make excuses. Well, I think you get to a point where you can start making a couple excuses for injuries. <laughs> uh, and I think the fact that he still got this team in really solid position because the schedule, this Jags game is the next toughest game on the schedule. Um, although that Houston game now is looming a little bit larger than maybe it was at one point. Um, 
this team is still in position to win 10 games this season, even with Joe Flacco as the quarterback, or even with Dorian Thompson Robinson as the quarterback. Uh, I think, I think Kevin Stefanski's ability to mesh with Jim Schwartz, because I think that's not talked about enough as two coaches that haven't worked together before having to mesh their styles and all that. Uh, that's been seamless. Uh, it's been seamless with Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator that was new this year. Um, I'm a big time Kevin Stefanski fan. Some fans are not the same. Some fans want to run him out of the building because he doesn't run the ball 62 times a game and everybody <laughs> wants him to run the ball 62 times a game. Uh, but I think what Kevin Stefanski has done has been great this year. I, I'm, I'm happy if they give him an extension. It does seem like he's dealt with all this adversity fairly well, been even keel. But again, that's from the outside. Well, sometimes we need that perspective, Justin. Sometimes I think <laughs> Browns fans need that perspective a little bit. Uh, all right. So as we wrap things up here on the doghouse, uh, Justin, give me one area in this game between the Browns and the Jags. Again, happening on Sunday on the shores of Lake Erie at Cleveland Brown Stadium, a game where it's supposed to be, I think the last time I saw it, it was like 30 mile an hour winds and rain. Uh, so Ooh. this could be an ugly ball game on the shores of Lake Erie here in December. Uh, by the way, I feel like Jacksonville, every time they play here is like December, January, every time like Jacksonville never gets a September game in Cleveland, which is fine <laughs> with us. It's fine yeah. with us. The coldest game I've ever been to, I believe it was 2008, maybe 2009, somewhere in that range. Um, here's how cold it was, Justin. And you're a Canada guy. So this is nothing new for you. Uh, yeah, you'd go to the you'd go to the concession to get a beer, and by the time you got back to your seat, your beer was frozen. That's how cold that game was against Ooh. Jacksonville. And I, <laughs> I think the Browns won that game like fourteen to three or something like that. Like it was just a gutted out football game. Uh, Did you so, drink the slushy beer? No doubt. This year, There's nothing. Is there anything <laughs> wrong with a slushy beer in the middle of December no. in Cleveland? <laughs> Not it's only right. It's only right, Justin. Uh, so, <laughs> so for this game on the shores of Lake Erie, give me give me your key to this game. I really think the Jags have to be able to run the football. You know, you talked about the elements and the weather and whether or not Trevor Lawrence is in there, you know, with this issue that he's going to be dealing with if he is in the game. I think with Travis Etienne or some of the other backs that they've had, like Tank Bigsby was a guy they had high hopes for. And he started the season – as a back with this team, but we haven't seen him really at all because it's been kind of the Travis Etienne show. And part of that had to do with ball security. So I think the Jaguars need to consistently run the football against the Browns to have a real shot at winning this game. That is my number one key, you know, along with the obvious one, you got to win the turnover battle, especially on the road, but I think they really got to be able to run the football. But and you state that the turnover battle is an obvious one, but I think it's also the one for me as a Browns fan. Listen, this Cleveland Browns defense has been spectacular all year at not allowing a lot of points. Uh, they've had a couple tough games in a row, but that happens over the course of the year. They get pressure on the quarterback. Their defensive line is really good. Their secondary is really good. But one thing they're not very good at is forcing turnovers. The Cleveland Browns in the turnover margin are not good. Uh, and uh, one of the worst in the league uh, as far as turnover margin is concerned. Uh, I think it's a huge part of this game. When the Cleveland Browns don't turn the ball over, they always have a chance to win the game. When they turn the ball over, it's difficult. So the Cleveland Browns, whether it's Joe Flacco or whether it's Dorian Thompson Robinson, 
have got to take care of the football. You cannot make unnecessary turnovers. You cannot give the Jaguars, even if it's C.J. Beathard, you can't give them a short field. For me, the entire story of this game for the Browns is win the turnover battle. Force a couple of turnovers from the Jags and take care of the ball on your end. And I know you could probably say that in a lot of games, but for the Cleveland Browns, it just feels like it's amplified with the way the turnover thing has turned out for them this year. I feel like if they win the turnover battle, the Browns have a really good chance of winning this game. I think it's a huge part of this game. That makes sense to me, especially when you consider how good Jacksonville has been at taking away the football, yes. especially from an interception standpoint. Yes. So Browns got to be careful of that. Uh, and again, we don't know who's even playing in this game, but whoever it is has got to hang on to the football. Uh, Justin, before I let you go, and again, it's been awesome. Justin Dunk from Believe in Jags. Um, uh, give me your prediction for this game. I know it's early and I don't know what, I know we don't know who's even playing in this game, but as of right now, give me your prediction for this game. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, we might as well do it. So I think <laughs> that the fact that I've seen Jacksonville bounce back, especially from some difficult losses this season, you know, even when they got slapped up by Houston at home or the Chiefs lost in this latest one, obviously they got four of them on the season. They seemingly always bounce back. So I think Jacksonville wins a very tight game. And even though I do think it's cliche, I think turnovers play a factor. I think there's a decent chance that, you know, Lawrence kind of forces his way into playing. But even if it's C.J. Beathard, I think he's just good enough to edge out kind of a – what's the saying in Jacksonville right now? It's It ain't pretty, it's gritty, or it's not pretty, it's gritty. That's kind of the catchphrase, I think, coined by Foyer Luke on the linebacker. So I think it's a gritty win by them on the road in Cleveland. Um, we, don't, we haven't seen one thing a lot that we saw last week. Kevin Stefanski – after a loss, is one of the best coaches in football. Uh, I believe he came into last week's game something like 19 and 7 or 19 and 8 after a loss. So the Browns don't win a lot or don't lose a lot of back-to-back -back games. And they've lost two in a row. I I think a lot of things, I think a lot of things are going to factor into this game. I think the weather is going to play into the Browns' favor. I think, but something's got to give. And I don't want to make this the Jaguars are excellent on the road. And so that's my favorite storyline of this game is something's got to give. Either the Browns are going to take a rare home loss. They've only got one on the season or the Jags are going to lose their first game on the road of the season. If I, I don't, I think if it's Joe Flacco, I think the Cleveland Browns are going to have enough in the tank. And especially if it's CJ Beathard, who I think is a really capable backup, by the way, he's got a, he's a guy with a lot of experience in the league. Uh, but I think the Cleveland Browns are going to have enough going their way. And I think the defense is going to play a little bit pissed off because they've had two not so great weeks in a row. And I think they're going to pin their tails back a little bit, or I'm sorry, pin their ears back a little bit and get after the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm going to say again, weather, I think it's going to be a big factor. I'm going to say this is one of those like 17 to 13 football games. And I think the Browns, I, I have a hard time seeing the Browns losing three games in a row. Dude, I agree in the score sense. Like I think it's going to be like a lower scoring game and one that's really going to test the toughness of Jacksonville, right? They're used to practicing in Florida. Usually have nice weather down there. And to be quite honest, you know, I think C.J. Beathard is okay. But I actually think Jacksonville would be better off if he got hurt and Nathan Rourke started games for this team. I'll be flat I'm out honest. <laughs> flat out honest, dude. Like, I'm not even messing around there. Some people have gotten after me on social media. And I don't care. I'm telling you, I've known this kid 
from his yeah. days at Oakville Trinity High School, lighting it up just outside of Toronto. And the path that he had to take to get there, the guy that he's working from a mechanical standpoint, Rob Williams is a Canadian guy who is light years ahead of anybody else in terms of teaching the throwing mechanics and the way he describes it and how the body wants to move on, all this kind of stuff. So, sorry, dude, I just had to get that out there, but I'm saying that <laughs> Jacksonville would be a better team if C.J. Beathard takes a shot from Miles Garrett early in this game and he's out and Nathan Rohr comes trotting onto that field. Hey, listen, nobody knows the, the, the Canadian football game like University of Guelph graduate uh, <laughs> and all-around good guy, Justin Dunk. Uh, I got to put this comment up before you leave, Justin, uh, because I keep getting this comment. I keep finding cool guests. All these people want to hate the other team, and instead it's people like you that keep coming on to the show, and people are like, oh, this is a good guest. Justin, man, it has been a pleasure. I can't tell you how much I thank you for coming on, joining me in the doghouse, talking a little bit about Browns and Jaguars. Again, big game coming up. Uh, it's a big game for both teams. Again, the Jags have two teams nipping at their heels in the AFC South, uh, and the Cleveland Browns are desperate to make the playoffs. Uh, and so we're going to see what happens here in Cleveland, Ohio, on this Sunday. Go follow Justin. Check out the Believe in Jaguars podcast. If you want to know how the Jaguars and their fans and all that are feeling, or if you want to just stay up to date before the game, stay tuned to what Justin's doing. Go follow him online at jdunk12 on Twitter. And if you want to pay attention to Canadian football, it's not going on right now. You're going to have to wait for next season. But check out Three Down Nation, another show that Justin hosts. Uh, I was watching that a little bit, and it is a blast of a show. So great job with that. Justin, thank you so much for jumping into the doghouse with me. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you having me on. And real quick on 3downnation.com, it's the biggest football website in Canada, bar none. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. We cover the CFL daily. We have all the insider goods. That's kind of my trademark thing up here is breaking, especially a lot of stories in the offseason. So that's what we're into now with the CFL. So I appreciate the 3 Down Nation shout out and the 3 Down Nation podcast you mentioned there too. My boys, John Hodge and JC Abbott, we got a great report. So that's what makes that show so fun. But I feel like you'd fit in really well there. My dude, so if there's ever a CFL connection with a former <laughs> Cleveland Brown that we need to get some intel on, I'm in. I might hit your DMs, okay? I'm in. I gotta. I'm gonna have to brush up on some of the language. Uh, That's okay. I don't, I don't know you. if it's. I don't know. I, we got to talk about rouges and things yes, like that. You nailed so, it. I'm in. I'm in for CFL <laughs> talk. But no, listen, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you. I want to say good luck to the Jags, but I'd be lying. I hope the Jags lose by 30. Uh, and I, I, uh, if, if that happens, I'll talk some trash to you online. All right. Let's hear it. All right, Justin Dunk. Thank you so much again for jumping on with me. Oh, there he went. He went off. He went on. Hey, Justin, see you later. <laughs> Justin Dunk, everybody again, go follow him. What a good dude. Uh, uh, Canadian beer is like moonshine. I love that comment. Uh, I like Canadian beer. There's great Canadian beer. If you can't, if you don't like a good Labatt or a good Molson, What's wrong with you? Uh, one of the great movies of all time is Strange Brew from Canada. You can't go wrong with that. One of my all-time favorites. Uh, no, Justin Dunk, go follow him. Believe in Jags. Again, shout out to the Believe Network. Uh, they have given us some amazing guests. Justin, one of them, uh, as he helped to preview the Jags and the Browns. So that's going to do it for me here in the doghouse. Go get a beer. Go hang out. Use the bathroom. Kiss the kids goodnight. And then come back at 9 o'clock because we've got the Garage Beers podcast at 9. We're going to talk about the Browns. We're going to talk about the college football playoff. Uh, I think we're going to have some takes on the college football playoff. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Guardians have the number one pick in the draft. We're going to talk about that and so much more. 
Get into the Garage Beers podcast with us at 9 o'clock right back here on the OBR streaming network. Uh, I will see you then. And if you don't join for that, I will see you for the doghouse next week uh, as we preview the next Browns game. Until then, cheers. Go Browns, everybody. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.